Take your Bibles, join me in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 this morning. We're going to be looking at our next message in our Renew series. We've been dealing with a number of different topics. The passage on the screen up here shows uh, 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to get there eventually, but I'm going to have us look at Romans 12 first. Um, But in our Renew series, we've been looking at how we need to allow God's Word to um, renew our mind as we love and honor God with all of our lives, every area of our lives. Amen? And so as we begin to let God's Word renew us on those things, we've been looking at a number of different very important areas. So one could maybe say this is a bit of a topical series, even though we take sections of Scripture and exposit those and and exegete those together um, for the sermons like this morning. Assembly Required is the name of the message this morning, part one right? There's a lot of continuations. Next week's going to be very exciting, a lot of building up uh, intrigue for next week. Um, If the Lord tarries, I'm excited to be back again in God's Word, and we'll look at a passage from Peter to look at the second portion of this, Assembly Required. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, ask Him to quiet our hearts, still our hearts, so we can focus on the Word this morning before we get any further. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we bow our hearts humbly before You. We recognize that we can hear You, We recognize it's a demonstration of faith to speak to a God who hears, listens, and responds. Lord, we know that you love us and you've given us your word so that we might carry out what's in your word for your glory and for our benefit. Lord, this morning we approach your text and we need to humbly recognize this is the very spoken, written word of God. As we look at it, I I pray that we see this not as a suggestion, but but your desire, your purposes, and your command for our lives. Lord, we thank you for your love and for your grace. And this morning, Lord, with distractions, whatever they may be and however they are, however clunky things might work out, we're doing the best we can, but we thank you that your word doesn't change. Your purposes don't change. You are a faithful, loving, unchanging God, and we look to you and your word this morning for direction. So, Lord, please speak to our hearts. I pray that each one would be willing and responsive to what they hear from the Word of God this morning. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Anybody here have Legos at home? Have you ever had Legos in your household before? Any of your parents ever stepped on Legos and felt the joyous feeling of the penetrating pain through your feet? That's not what I want to focus on this morning. That was distracting. But Legos, right? Legos. This is a really cool Lego set. There's a whole um, category of Legos called City, I guess. And they've got a lot of like the fire rescue, police, ambulance, construction, all these kind of things. My kids are like, whoa, Dad, talk about Legos this morning. In fact, I was, I was going to actually bring a Lego, Lego figure up here and put it together with each point, each point of the message. I thought it might slow us down. I opted not to do that. And I was also embarrassed. I might drop it and break it or whatever. I don't know. James even got it ready for me. We'll do that some other time. But Legos, they're really exciting. Look at the picture on that box. It looks pretty unique, doesn't it? Intricate, a lot of parts. Looks like a really cool toy, right, kids? Well, Legos don't come like that. They come like this inside the box. Little packages, individually wrapped, you got to put them together, takes work to put together. Some of the fun is putting it together, getting all the pieces to work together to make the big completed project. Just like on boxes of Legos, we see on other packages, on other things we put together. Any of you ever shop at Ikea? 
right? That big store you get lost in, bring a survival kit, maybe a sack lunch, a compass to get out of the store. You go to Ikea and about everything you buy there, it says assembly required, right? In order for the item to function the way it's supposed to, it needs to be assembled together. I asked you earlier to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, and if you look at a couple passages, uh, verses there in just a moment, I want you to realize that I am attempting to use the word assembly as kind of a play on words here. In order for a Lego set or an item from Ikea or for anything to work well, it must be assembled correctly. In order for it to be that really cool, what was it, two, three, four blade helicopter, like on the outside of the box of that, uh, on the outside of that Lego box, if we're to be that, it needs to be assembled together. All those pieces apart, they don't make up that finished, complete product. Uh, product. Assembly is used as a play on words. That's my attempt this morning. So I hope not to distract you, but I think it actually helps, at least the way I think, and I hope you do as well. The word assemble or assembly or being assembled is used throughout the New Testament. In fact, if we were to go through a little history lesson through the book of Acts. I won't take you through that this morning. You can certainly look for yourself. If you go through the book of Acts in the New Testament, you would see that the word assemble is used to define the, when the church was gathered together, assembled together. The, the New Testament church began in Acts chapter 2. That's when it was recorded as it began, the filling of the Holy Spirit. If you were to look at Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, Acts chapter 11, 26, chapter 19, 32 and 39. If you were to look at, um, um, actually in Acts chapter 19, it's speaking of riots, hits home a little bit, and how those that, that gathered together to riot and to complain got together and they assembled in one area as one, even though they didn't know what they were even rioting about. This word assembly is also used in a well-known passage in the author of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where God is speaking through his word and reminding Christians that we are to never forsake the assembling together as a church. The passage goes on to say that there are those that do this. There are those that have allowed other distractions, other things in life, other excuses to come in place of what God has designed for Christians. If you're a Christian, you were designed, it is God's purpose for you to assemble regularly as the church assembly is required. This passage up here in Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. Let's read it together, shall we? You can follow along on the screen if you'd like. Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5 say, For as we, men, many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. One body, many parts. Not an unfamiliar illustration, is it? Not an unfamiliar metaphor from God's Word. The Apostle Paul uses this often. You know, every believer has a special task to perform for the good of the rest of the body of Christ. Just like in the institution of a family, your immediate family. So children, you, your brother or your sister, or your brothers and sisters or your brother or just your sister, your parents, your mother, your father, make up one unit, one family. Each one has a different role. 
by God's design to fulfill being a family together. This morning, I want you to notice that God has a desire for each and every one of us. And in our passage, you can go over there now to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to camp out this morning. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 um, and verses 12 through 31 help us to see that God wants you to see, God, Christian, God wants you to see that assembly is required for every member in order to fulfill their vital part in the local body of Christ. Dear Christians, it, it may sound a little callous to come across so strong and say this, but I say it on the word of God. It is God's design for Christians to healthily function, assembling together often with the church regularly. So this passage, our passage this morning before us, 1 Corinthians 12 through 31, shows us that every member is essential to the health of the local church body. But not that in itself, assembly is required. Think about the physiological makeup of the body. I think of my own body. You know, you look at your hands, you hold your arms out in front of you, and you just think of the different parts that make up the body. There's a number of nurses in the congregation this morning. It seems like we've been assembling more and more nurses lately, and we're getting a little hospital going on here. You folks know way better than I do the different intricate makeups of the body. I think about my own. I think about all the little bones. I'm wiggling my toes right now. You can't see it. See, I'm wiggling my toes inside my shoes. Can you do that? Everybody wiggle your toes for a second, kids. You know, all of those little bones, there's tons of little bones moving in there. It's all the little muscles and tendons and bones moving. The, the, you, you, you know how you can take a seashell at the ocean and hold it up to your ear and you hear this sound? Well, if you just take your hand and hold it up to the ear, you hear this sound. Some of that is just because you're funneling the air and you can hear it. But you can, you can like cover your ear and you can hear this sound inside your head. You know what that is? It's the blood rushing through all the little cells inside your body. And you can hear that in your own head, in your ear. It's very interesting. You can hear the, uh, all the different things going inside your body, the, 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 body, the, the blood cells rushing through the, the capillaries in your head. As I move my arm, you, can, you, can, you may not feel it or know it, but as you move your arm, there are, there are uh, 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 thousands of muscle cells, millions of muscle cells expanding and contracting in order to move my joints and to move my arm working in concert together. The Apostle Paul here in 1 Corinthians, writing to the Corinthian church, as well as in Romans, writing to the Christians in Rome, uses this illustration of the body, the makeup. We get it. I don't mean to be entirely gross this morning, but if I were to take out a big knife and just lop off one of my arms, my arm would become rather ineffective, and my body would suffer. Okay, that's not natural. That's entirely graphic, borderline gross to think about. And that's how graphic our Lord wants to think about when we are not assembled together. When we are, when we are saved into the body of Christ. When we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Then we are, to get, we are part of the body of Christ universal, but we, then we are to gather in the local expression of Christ's body, the local makeup of the church regularly. Just like in my body, when the cells work well, I'm hardly aware of the individual pres presence of all these different cells. 
but what I am feeling is the composite of their collective activity that's made up and known as Dave Swope. All those things that the Lord has made that works in concert to make up Dave Swope. The same can be said of you as well. You know, the human body is similar to the structure, similar in structure to the, to the uh, group of individuals born again and part of the body of Christ. And the differences in the various body parts are essential to, function of the, to the function of the whole of the body. Every Christian in the body of Christ universal is essential to the function and the health of the body of Christ. There's some here that might already be thinking, yeah, that sounds really nice, but I don't know how essential I am. I don't know how helpful I am, and I'm going to get to that in a moment, and I trust this will be a great encouragement to you. And so in this way, the assembly of each believer in the body of Christ is essential to fulfill the specific role God's purpose for your life. Let me walk you through Romans chapter 12. We're not going to look at the entire chapter. I'm going to jump us ahead to verse 12 this morning. We're going to pick up speed a little bit. And we're going to see number one in verses 12 through 13 of 1 Corinthians. I may have said Romans, I'm sorry, but I'm at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at verses 12 and 13 with me, please. Look at God's word. It says, For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. We see firstly, I think the Apostle Paul helps us see in God's Word that every Christian is a member of the body. There is no exclusion here. There is no self-claimed idea like, well, that stuff is like for churches and things. That's for denominations and things, but I'm a Christian. My, my Christianity is a personal thing. You're a Christian. You are absolutely dead wrong to make those summaries when compared to the Word of God. Every Christian is a part of the body of Christ, and it makes up an integral, important part that is designed to work for the health of the whole. Every Christian is a member of the body and has a responsibility to serve the other members through God's design to local church. You know, if we go through the, the Word of God, the New Testament, this is where we see the church. We look at the New Testament and begin to look at, well, where do we see the church talked about? Where do we see membership? Where do we see that we need to be part of a local church? I get the pastor, I get the whole universal church thing. We're part of the body of Christ. We're in the church. But what about this local church stuff? What about membership? Where do you see this? And my intention is not to unpack that in detail so much this morning because... Here at Calvary Baptist Church, like many other churches, and particularly other Baptist churches, we see that there is an example throughout Scripture in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 6 and Acts chapter 2 and um, Acts 19 and other passages that see that there was a 
local, established, recorded, gathered group of believers that made up local churches, that kept track of who was in the church and who was out of the church, all for purposes that followed out of Christ's command to function as a church. And so it is that on that reality and on that foundation that I'm not going to unpack yet this morning that we realize that it is God's design that every believer be actively involved. Do not forsake the assembly together. Christianity is not a personal thing when it comes to its expression. And this is not simply a recommendation of Scripture. It is a teaching and a command of the entire passage that every Christian is a member of the body. So regardless of our position, regardless of our background, regardless of our ethnic heritage, we are part of one body. That is unique. There's countries, there are states, there are groups and societies and clubs and organizations that like to declare that they are one body. They work together as one organization. But the church is unique in that we are connected both spiritually and by name, and we work together, function together, are designed to work together, equipped to work together as one unified body. So for the Christian, assembly with the body is natural and it is required. But also, secondly, we see in verses 14 through 17, let's read a little bit of this illustrative writing that Paul uses here. We see, secondly, that every member has a ministry in the assembly. Every Christian is part of the body. But we also see that every single Christian has a ministry within the assembly. You go, wait a minute, I thought it was just a pastor. It was just the ushers and the deacons and the Sunday school teachers and the missionaries and the, and, and the nursery workers and the sound guys that are working triple time this morning, right? The musicians, no. Every single person, born again believer, part of the local church, has a ministry within the assembly. Look at verses 14 through 17 with me. For the body is not one member, remember this, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where were the smelling? I won't spend the time to go over the different senses that we have made up, work by God's design our bodies, but there's probably a safe bet that there are a number of senses working in, um, together, in concert together in each and every one of you. Now, some of them might be sleeping already this morning. I don't know. If you need to rib somebody, you can. I'm not calling you out. I'm not looking for any sleepers this morning, right? But you've got a number of senses to working together. You're not just one ear sitting by yourself in the pew. That'd be kind of silly. You're not just one eyeball. Because if you fell out of the pew, you'd roll all the way down the floor and bounce against the stairs down here. Doesn't that sound a little strange? You are all these different things made up in your body that work together to make up you, that work together to accomplish the goal that you're working on. And in the very same graphic, illustrative way, Paul is saying that the church, the local expression of the body of Christ, the assembly, when it is assembled together and it is working in, in concert together the way God designs, it works together as one. And the ear and the eye and the arm, the big toe, the little toe, Whatever it may be is all part of the one assembly, the one body of Christ. 
The Apostle Paul establishes that not only does each person have a ministry, but he points out that a person cannot say he does not belong in the body of Christ. Let me correct that statement, actually. A Christian cannot say they do not have a place in the body of Christ. This is God's design for each and every believer. And too often people, even within the ranks of the church, function on the basis of feeling. Remember we talked about worship? We, we addressed feelings a little bit. There's feelings in worship. There's feelings in obedience. There's feelings in giving glory to God. But our worship is not predicated on feeling. It's a byproduct of, it's a, it's a form of expression as well. Too often, Christians begin to focus on feelings. What I mean by this is things like this. Christians will say, well, you know, I don't, I don't know if I have a place within the assembly. I don't know if I have a place within the church, you know. I, I don't feel wanted. I don't feel appreciated. I just don't feel like I fit in with the culture of those kind of people. Are you kidding me? You're a Christian. They're the same people. We're all weird. We're all strange. Look at this face. I'm pointing to myself. But we're called together as one assembly. The foot doesn't look like the eye. The hand doesn't look like the foot. The elbow doesn't look like the knee. Right? But we work together as one whole. I don't feel like I belong. These things that even Christians say. To imagine a literal body's members fighting, as these verses describe, seems utterly ridiculous to us. If I formed a fist, look at this, if I formed a fist and smacked myself in the eye or socked myself in the jaw, it would be ridiculous. Please don't do that, especially to anyone else. It would be ridiculous. But yet, Christians, in all sincerity, it's easy, all too easy, unfortunately, to see divisions within the body of Christ. Look at verse 25 of 1 Corinthians 12. That there should be no schisms in the body that the members should have the same care one for another. Folks, the Word of God says you do belong within the local gathering and assembly, the body of Christ. And it is required for each of us to carry out our, member, our ministry, our individual ministry, as God gives that to us. And we'll look at that next. Look at uh, verse 18, and we see thirdly this morning that God has put each in a position. You might emphasize that. Let me punctuate it for you. God has put each one in position. It is God that assigns. It is God that ordains. It is God that sets us into position. Look at verse 18, please, from our text but now that God set. If you write in your Bible, I encourage you to circle that word set. Underline it or note it in your notes if you're following along this morning. But now God, or excuse me, but now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it hath pleased him. Now why in the world would I have you circle set? Why would I have you underline that? Let me help you understand. First of all, we understand it is God that places Christians in the body to serve. The verse says that. But let's deconstruct that a little bit so that we might be able to understand it and soak it in a little bit this morning like a sponge, okay? Look at verse 18. You see that word set. Well, the Greek word for set that we get in the English here 
verse 18, is, it's just helpful to see, it is translated in John chapter 15, I believe in verse 16, where the word is used as the same Greek word that we get set from here, is translated as ordained in John 15. So, if we take that very same Greek word and use it similarly here, which is also the same intention of the author here, that God has ordained us into places of ministry. So, in John 15, 16, God was referring to Christ's appointing of his followers, his disciples, which means a follower. So it was Christ that appointed his followers. It was Christ who appointed these disciples under his criterion. And we see here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes that it is God who sets us in ministry. Why do I, why does Paul, why am I punctuating that reality so much? Why am I making such a big deal out of the fact that it is God that sets us in ministry? What well, is Christians who, who do not possess this biblical understanding that tend to express dissatisfaction with their current positions within the local church? Did you catch that? It is Christians that do not grasp that it is God that does the ordaining. It is God that does the setting. It is God that, that, that does this, that become dissatisfied. And their, their frustration, their anger manifests itself into statements like this. They, they want a more important job. They want a more showy ministry. They want something that better fits their specific category of abilities. Take it on the other end, flip it the other way, and there are those that say, I, I, I'm kind of a just-to-myself Christian. I, I, I'm not interested in doing these things and these opportunities as God presents them, and sometimes through the pastor and other leaders in the church and opportunities. By the way, not all ministries, you can see through some of the gifts here that we see, not all ministries in the church are showy, are seen, are known. There's a varying set. The key, firstly, is understanding that every Christian has a place in a ministry that, is a, that plays an integral part in the body of Christ. Dear friends, each believer needs to accept the ministries that God has placed before them and given them opportunity to perform them as God enables them to perform them. So many times as Christians, let's take a break here for a second. So many times for Christ, there are Christians that will say, well, I, 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 I just, I, I don't, I don't want to serve in this area. I don't seem to have the, the, the skill set to be able to work in this area. But if I can just work in this area, this is what I am able to do. And sometimes as pastor, I want to lovingly, I take them by the hand and lovingly step back and say something like this. I hear a lot of eyes in this conversation. What about the Lord, the Lord is giving you this opportunity and you're leaning and relying on Him for the enabling grace and power to accomplish the ministry. Will you trust Him and will you follow Him in the opportunity appears He's leading in? Oh, right? 
And sometimes there's a step of faith and trust in the Lord in even doing those things that might cause us to be a little more terrified. There were some terrifying things that happened this morning, right? Last minute, hey, can you come up and give a camp testimony? What? <laughs> right? Those kind of things. It's not always that way, but that one seems to scare me, speaking on the fly, right? You know, sometimes Christians will wait to be approached. They'll wait to be assigned a title. But God calls all of us to minister. How? There's a number of ways. Sharing our testimony, inviting others to church, inviting others into your home, showing hospitality, witnessing to others, telling them what God has done, being willing to step in and help others, giving, praying for, encouraging These are not elected positions within the local body of Christ, but they are some of the most important in the church, aren't they? Some of the very most important ministries in the church. You know, if you're feeling unimportant or unneeded in the local church, remember the criterion God used in giving each member their particular gifts. What is that criterion? And that is that God did what pleased him. When we do what pleases God, it pleases God. Funny how it works the way that God wants it to work. So many times we want to be self-pleasing. Look at the end of verse 18. As it hath pleased him. Folks, Christ has a definite plan and role for each member to perform. But that plan and that role, it requires assembly of each and every one of us as Christians. Look at the next one here in verses 19 through 26. Let me read through these passages and we'll notice that there's unity that is needed among the members. What a topic like unity. It's a sermon all in itself. That's not very encouraging right now in the lateness of the hour, is it? It's okay. We're going to go quickly. Look at verses 19, or excuse me, uh, yes, 19 through 26. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of thee. Nay, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our comely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Oh, the illustration of the physical body is so helpful, isn't it? It is not all that different than the local body of Christ. And although Christians have different functions in the church... God's word says that every one of you, every one of us is equally important to God. God's plan is that there is to be no division. If you walk outside, 
Don't do that yet. We'll do it in a couple minutes. If you walk outside, we have this amazing gold stuff coming down from the sky every day in Arizona, right? They call it sunshine. It's super bright. A good portion of my life, I was born and raised in the Seattle area. I didn't know why people bought sunglasses. I came to Arizona, I realized there's a market for sunglasses, right? There's sunshine here. We walk outside, if you don't have your sunglasses on, you were to look up, you want to, you want to, I'm shielding my eyes from the sun, right? You, you shade your eyes from the sun. The UV rays are a little harmful to the retina in the eye. It's instinctive when somebody shines a flashlight. I love to do that in the house, right? Not to shine at people's eyes, right? But just the other day, I brought a flashlight in the kitchen. Oh, babe, hey, I got another flashlight, one from my set of a thousand flashlights I have. It's not that many, but it's a lot. I like flashlights. And I came in and said, here, you can use this one in the kitchen. I don't want another item in my kitchen. No, 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 no. You really want this flashlight. It's good. We have one in every room of the house, in every drawer, in every place. We always get flashlights. And I was like, look how bright it is. You know, and my, my, my kids, oh, Dad, oh, you're blinding me, right? And you see spots for a while. My poor children. When you shine a flashlight in your eye or it's shining in your eye, right, you want to shield your eye. It's instinctive. It's reactionary to protect the eye. And one part of the body as a whole instinctively jumps to reaction to help and protect the others. I think that's really helpful to consider when we think about the body of Christ. When one of you suffers, the other should be keenly aware that you're suffering. How do you do that? By getting to know that person, by spending time to that person. Here's our key word, by assembling together like God has designed. We come to know when one suffers, and when one suffers, the other step in, and we put our arm around them. We love them. We pray for them. We care for them. We provide for them, and vice versa. Can I say something that might be tough to swallow? Gulp. Get ready, right? Many times. When a Christian shares with me, I just, I just don't feel like I'm being cared for. I don't feel like I'm loved. I don't feel like I'm really part of anything. You ready for this? Oftentimes, it's because they are not assembling with the body of Christ. Just kind of float in, float out, when it's convenient, here and there. I didn't know that was going on in the church, Pastor. Well, where have you been the last four weeks? Oh, I didn't, I didn't know that person was hurting. Did you come to prayer meeting? Oh, I, I just feel like my needs are being met. Have you shared your needs? Do you see what I'm saying here? Members should care for each other as the hand shades the eye from the sun. Paul even goes on to say that honor is to be given to each member and to those who even seem less attractive, more smelly, don't look the same, don't dress the same. To them, Paul tells us, to give, ready for this? more honor, more honor to the less attractive. That means I need more honor. I'm less attractive. No. <laughs> right? At least I'm attractive to my wife sometimes, right? The less attractive, the less desirable, the more smelly, more honor. How do we do that? By God's grace and demonstrating his love. Paul continues on as we just read verse 19 to 26. You can look at the text. You can see it there for yourself. When one member is honored, all should participate in that honor. This is best illustrated. I see this every time, right? We got four, five, six, six birthdays a year in my house. And of the four children, when it's one person's birthday, we give them the cake, we get the balloons, we decorate their chair, we give them a present or two, and all the others start, tears well up in the eyes. Where's my present? 
celebrating my birthday. Is it next week? Nope. Six more months. Wah! Right? No, we're going to be happy for this brother or this sister because it is their birthday and they're being honored and you can honor them too because it pleases the Lord and we do this because we love each other. Well, that person was elected to serve in this position. Well, that person got to share this and play this music and do this and go there and they got to, they got to eat with the pastor on this day. I haven't, so on and so on and so forth. We're honoring those who are honored. Christians, we must obey the commands of Scripture. Suffer and rejoice with each other. In order to do that, we must assemble. Oh, how different Calvary Baptist Church would be if every single one of us, myself included, was perfect in these areas all of the time, right? That's an easy statement to say, but it gives us that goal to work towards. Our Lord says, be holy as I am holy, and that is the bar that we are to seek to rise to. Can you imagine? I was up at camp. You heard a lot about camp this morning. Guess you'll hear more about camp next week. They got a pond out there and they've got one of these inflatable rafts in it, you know, and they got these paddles. And the kids that get in there are so fun watching kids trying to work together, some who have never paddled a boat before in their life, and they're paddling. And over here, you got one that's going like this, right? He's just going crazy in the water, digging deep. Oh, man, making progress. And the other one's like this. Check this out. Turns this way, and he's going like this, right? And a boat is very effectively going in a circle, right? Not very effective. Like, we're almost to the other side. Like, no, you're not. Nope, still spinning circles. you got to paddle in the same direction. Oh, so they both flip, and they go in a circle the other way. No, you got to work together. Oh, I see, I see. And they start paddling together, right, in unison. It's the same way in a church. When one goes one direction, one goes the other way, and we resist each other's efforts, just imagine the difficulty of getting anywhere. God is calling for unity in the assembled gathering of believers. Unity is so effectively important. Unity amongst members cannot exist. We cannot exercise Christ's commanded unity if we are not first assembled in the same boat in the beginning. Very quickly. You're like, wow, five points. Teaser, there's actually six. The six is very quick. We're almost done. Fifthly, we can see that God is the one who gives gifts. I've spoken a lot already this morning about gifts and abilities and talents a little bit. You know, serving here in this ministry and that ministry, serving each other, loving each other. Where do these gifts come? What are these gifts? Well, I encourage you to go back to our First Corinthians series when we studied originally word for word through First Corinthians chapter 12. We looked at Romans and we studied the spiritual gifts and its place in the church and which have ceased and which continue and what are they. Go get the sermon series on that, Encounter Culture Christianity. Listen to a couple sermons there. You have a deeper study in these things. But let me just give you a, a quick, broad overview and remind you that first and foremost, and a paramount detail, is that God is the one who gives gifts. We see this in 27 through 30. It says, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. And God hath set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, or to say administrative uh, ability, diversities of tongues, 
are all apostles? Well, the hypothetical or, or the uh, question there is no, right? Um, rhetorical question, excuse me, is no. Are all prophets? Rhetorical question, no. Are all teachers? Rhetorical question, no. Are all workers of miracles? No. Have all the gifts of healings? No. Do all speak with tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But do we all have a part in the assembly? Yes. Yes. Yes, you do. Yes, we do. When does that happen? Upon salvation. When you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, it is God that equips members with gifts. It is God that endows believers and gives the ability for his gifts in the believers' lives to be used for his glory. And his intention is that those gifts are only effective and only designed to be used within the context of the local church. For the local church. Not for personal benefit. Not for private in-home benefit. But for in the context of ministering in the church. And so what do you miss? A lot. What do you miss when you don't assemble, dear Christians? You miss the opportunity to use the gifts that God has equipped you with to serve Him in the local church. Because one possesses a certain gift, talent, or ability, all should benefit from that gift. No child of God should ever think of himself as being less value or having an unimportant ministry from cleaning toilets to preaching a message, from playing an instrument to handing a bulletin with a smile on your face, to coming early and setting the air conditioning. Thank God for those people. Whatever it might be, all for the glory of God and to serve others, all significant, all important. It is God that gives the gift and the ability to use that gift, and it is the Christian's responsibility to faithfully perform their gifts through the local church. God has equipped each member of the body with a spiritual gift that is to be exercised within that assembly. And lastly, we see that there is a final and better way. And this is where Paul sets up in his letter to the Christians who were mixing up church, that were fighting over ministries, that were getting everything wrong. He's writing to them, and in verse 31, he sets up to be able to write chapter 13, the love chapter. So he lists all these gifts, all of these spiritual ways to help one another. And he writes, verse 31, he says, But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. What is that more excellent way? That is all of chapter 13, time and time and time again, saying that it is love. If you're reading from the King James, it says charity. It's better said to be love, and that is the better way. All of these things are zero if it is not done in love and out of love. That's the better way. A Christian may be blessed with multiple abilities and multiple gifts, but if he or she does not minister to them in love, they are of no value. They count to zero. Zero. Nothing. So that means aside from ministering faithful with what God has given, Christians must 
exhibit love. Even when we don't feel like loving. I don't have a seventh point. And let me just wrap some of this up for you real quick and we'll be finished. So as we've looked at the Word of God this morning, you've looked at it with me. Will you allow it to renew your mind and your thinking? Will, allow you, will you allow the Word of God to set the way we should be thinking about these things as you love and honor God with every area of your life? Let me go back to our purpose statement at the beginning of the message. We'll end with this idea in mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me sum it up with this. 1 Corinthians 12 has shown us that assembly is required for every member to fulfill their vital part in the local body of Christ. Every believer has a special and unique task to perform. Every believer, every one of us, for the good of the rest of the body of Christ. And that task is to be filled, fulfilled, as a member of the body of Christ within the local congregation. So, somebody says this sometimes. There's a phrase today, real talk. This has all been real talk because it's God's word, but real talk in summation. Please listen very carefully this morning. Those of you who are not members of a local church, I want, I want, I want to challenge you this morning to take a close look at your service to the Lord. Those who are not gathered and assembled regularly, take a real close look at your service to the Lord. Why aren't you part of a local church? Just think of it this morning. This is what this is what this whole of Scripture is calling, the whole of New Testament is calling in 1 Corinthians 12. Think about your service. Take a good look. Why aren't you part of a local congregation? Why aren't you united together in, in membership where you can serve faithfully and love the Lord who has loved you and designed a local church for you part of? Maybe you're resisting God's will for you to be united with a local church by simply attending services putting on the face, the tie, the dress, holding the Bible, going through the motions, just attending, listening to sermons online, going places. Friend, let me suggest to you that you're deceiving yourself into believing that you can serve God and exercise your gifts outside the context of the local New Testament church. You're deceiving yourself. You're hurting the body and you're hurting yourself. Dear friends, the New Testament shows us that assembly is required for the faithful and obedient Christian. And the scriptures call you to repent and to unite and to assemble with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Members, <laughs> you're not off the hook. We are not off the hook. Maybe you're a member here at Calvary Baptist Church. You've heard me in this pulpit many times before. You have the word open before you. Let me encourage you to think this way. Are you willing to serve in love where God places you to serve? Have you been resisting to serve in certain areas? Have you been holding back for one reason or another? Maybe you've been holding back because your targeted position has not been offered yet. 
Are you resisting God's leading to serve? Are you bitter because you can't serve where you want to serve? Scripture and God calls you to repent. As we think of these things, I ask you to bow your head and heart this morning as I lead us in prayer. No one looking around, but just, just to take a moment. I know, I know the, the, the hour's been late. We're almost ready to be out of here. As we think about what we've just looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to please, I ask you to listen to the leading of the Holy Spirit this morning. So if you're a born-again Christian, He's alive, living, and working in and through you. How is the Lord leading and will you respond? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this church, this church. I thank you for these people that make up the body of Calvary Baptist Church. Lord, I pray that each one here today would, would understand that it is so incredibly important to commit to local church membership where each one, each Christian can give of their resources, can serve others, can love one another when it's tough to love one another, to stick it out through the difficult times, to look past the hypocrisy and the sinfulness in Christians. And to see the greater picture, and that is to be obedient to you, to love you, to serve you, to receive blessing for that, and to benefit others. Lord, it is clear that assembly is required for your glory and for your good. May each and every one of us not leave here this morning without making first sure that we are responding to your word as you would have us. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for forgiveness. And thank you for uniting us together within the body of Christ so that we make up the whole that is light and salt and glory to you. What an incredible organism your local church is. And what a marvelous privilege it is to be part of that. We thank you for Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.